Hello, fellow travelers. This is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. Well, I am pleased to be joined once again by the Reverend Hayden Butler. Hayden, welcome back. Welcome, actually, Hayden, first time, first person in the garage studio. This is pandemic recordings. These are the these are the, <laughs> these are the basement tapes. It's good to be here. Yeah, <laughs> happy to jam. Oh, Hayden and I are going to be discussing the Christian sense of time today, and uh, I thought I'd open this way. Um, a few days ago, so we're right at the beginning of the year here, um, maybe, maybe a little more than a few days ago, um, I read a quote on social media. I didn't recognize the lady, so maybe it was a friend liking someone else's post. And it was, uh, it was kind of a cheesy little banner uh, that said Happy New Year with like glitter and sparkles and things like that. And underneath it, the lady wrote, this is my favorite holiday of the year. Uh, and she said, it's a new slate, it's a new, new me, endless possibilities and it can be a new you too and I read that and I look I read it a few times and I looked at that and I read it again and and I couldn't fathom how it could be true (laughs) that this that that New Year's was this person's favorite holiday like having just come out of Christmas especially like pandemic Christmas which is one we needed really badly it felt like I couldn't believe like that this would be someone's favorite holiday but but because of what 2020 has been, because of this, it, it just felt like in people's minds, this ticking over of a number, of a calendar number um, to 2021, it like embodied this like, everything's behind us. <laughs> she literally said, like, clean slate, everything's reset, it's like the great reset, start over from square one, whatever, going forward, and this is why it's my favorite holiday. It, hasn't, it had no like, content, it was just like the blank slate. Hayden, can you tell us um, why was I? Why did I find that so depressing? Well, I, I, you know, I've seen things like that too, and it, and and I've, I've experienced the similar kind of like kind of sad feeling around it, and and I and I guess it because it, it triggers for me the the same sad feeling I think I get uh, I get every New Year's Day, and I've I think I've can look back on my life and in in sort of conscious memory I I don't recall a New Year's Day that ever actually felt like it had a kind of renewal to it. Hmm. It seemed um it seemed like another day. Um and I think a lot uh, but I, but I think this year especially there was a lot of um expectation that as we got away from 2020, yeah. you know, the the horrible the the the, the terrible year um that 2021 was going to be some some like a new start and you know January 1st came and we're still wearing masks. We're still, you know, we're still in a surge here in Southern California. Yeah. Um, the hospitals are at are are straining under the uh, to get to capacity at this point, and uh, experientially, not much has changed. And I think, I think a lot of the fervor around New Year's Eve, um, and a kind of the what I've observed to be the manic fervor around New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and this marking of the turnover of the calendar year, is a kind of overcompensation for the fact that I don't think anyone ever really feels all that renewed hmm. uh, on New Year's Day. I think that's, that, that's, that's so true because it, it, was a, it was a familiar sentiment, as you say. Um, 
I also totally understood sort of the existential crisis feeling of yeah. anything we can do to escape yesterday, you know, right? But as you say, yesterday and today are, are basically the same thing mm -hmm. at this point. Um, and I think what struck me as, as so sad as well was we did, we were just, we're in the midst of um, Christmas time. Mm -hmm. and, and we had just sort of anticipated, you know, the Advent season of waiting, anticipating the hope that comes into the world. <laughs> like, right. I mean, it, it, like that had just begun to unfold in the in 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 a cultural observance as well like it wasn't yeah. like that was an obscure thing that she might not have heard of right yeah, like that was right. also there uh, as one of the holidays she was referring to not being her favorite compared to new year's and i thought it was almost like they were being like compared and and the one the new day of this year yeah. um gave her more hope for herself and her future than, than the other, like it didn't register in that way. Right. And, you know, without being like heavy handed and being like, well, everyone needs to, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're going to abstain from New Year's <laughs> here. Yeah. yeah but it was War just on like, New Year's. <laughs> maybe because it was such a, um, an easy sentiment, maybe right. because it was so understandable in that sense. <clears throat> it was also that, that so depressing because it was right. like, oh, this is, this is the normal little inflections of hope that, that right. we do cling to even if they have very little in them, right? Like there wasn't, I, I'm thinking as a holiday, it has like, there's no content, right? Like it's right. just as this number has changed, somewhat artificial or arbitrary number right. has changed, right? Yeah. Um, so in this moment that, that we have, uh, as you say, you know, made all the more dramatic by this last year and by this present pandemic and all the things that are going on, when we think of a Christian sense of time, when we think of how Christians should think about time or how Christians are invited to think about time, what makes it so different? Because it's, it's good to be in there with our neighbors, experiencing you know, the normal sort of uh, cultural observances mm -hmm. together and sharing some of that space and everything. But what is it about a Christian sense of time that, that maybe we, I mean, your tradition has entered much more fully into um, than many of ours, but what does that offer a Christian? Because many Christians would say, well, it's Christmas. Right. We have a few, you know, we have Easter and Christmas, and, and that is our calendar. Um, but you would maybe think of it in a much more sort of fulsome way, yeah. um, a, a daily, you know, uh, certainly weekly, monthly. Your, your entire year is organized somewhat differently. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, so I'll, I, I guess I could start with, you know, what I was doing on New Year's Day. Right. Um, so on New Year's Day, um, we were observing, like I was, I was reflecting with people in my church community on the, um, on the event in Christ's life, the, uh, of the eighth day after his birth. It was the, it's the feast of the circumcision of right. Christ. Um, and traditionally on, on the eighth day, also a child receives their name. And so we were uh, in, in, in those times. And so, we were reflecting on the giving of Jesus's name, how um, Joseph and Mary gave him the name Jesus as they'd been instructed to do, um, and reflecting on uh, the kind of the declaration that his name is, you know, God, our salvation, God mm. saves, mm. Um, and found that to be a much more substantial and, you know, a meaningful <laughs> thing to think about um, in this particular New Year's Day, right? Because nothing about New Year's Day felt any different from December 31st. Um, but a being recalled back to the moment when there is this sort of um, ritual declaration of the name of the child Jesus, that his, he is the one who will save, 
um, like that gave me so much more hope than any sort of calendar flip over mm-hmm. ever could. And I think that's a good entry point to think about a Christian notion of time, because um, as you know, we're in Christmas tide. We're on the tenth day of Christmas as we're as we're talking here today. And um, I think that if you know, as we're reflecting on the birth of Jesus and really the the incarnation of God. Um, that if we take seriously the idea that God entered into the world, God took on flesh um, and walked among us, that we have to extend that. Um, uh, we have to extend that to understand that that fact alters everything. C.S. Lewis, you know, t- said it's a it's a it's the universe turning a corner mm. that it can't unturn now because now divinity has been joined and has been unified with the entire human experience and. Fundamentally, that means an experience of time. Um, time, you know, is part of the creation. Time is something that humans have always experienced. But the the meaning of the passage of time is something that um, God very much cares about. Mm. Um, that God has instructed His people um, in the you know and given the meaning of their time to them um, throughout their entire history. So and and so I think as Christians we have to take seriously that if we believe. God became flesh, that our time ha- and, our, and, our, and our experience of time and our use of time has to be altered. So what would you say, maybe the baseline way that we would approach time without those considerations mm-hmm. would be uh, ideas or phrases like, um, oh man, how much time have I wasted? Yeah. How much time do I have left? Um, what have I accomplished or not accomplished, you know, in my life? (laughs) How old am I? Am I having a midlife or a quarter life crisis? Yeah, no, there's a, there's a default time. I think we all fall into, and I think that's changed depending on which era we've, we live in, right? That humans have lived in. At one point it was probably something like the, um, the, you know, passage of, of day to night of the light time and the dark time. And then if you lived in most parts of the world, you also had a kind of seasonality to that too of, uh, we go from the kind of everything grows to everything dies, you right. know, a, in those seasons. Here in Southern California, that's that's diminished <laughs> a bit grows, because we have grows. summer and then <laughs> shades of summer um, as our seasons. But um, you know, we're sitting here on this brisk morning, you know, yeah. but we're still outside, you know, and and you know, in the middle of de- in the middle of in the early January here. Um, but I think you know, in our time now, it's moved away. You know, maybe in another time, it would have been like the agricultural calendar of, right. of planting and harvest. But I think for a lot of us, you know, um, sort of more uh, modern people, our time is governed by a sense of the work week and a sense of consumer, uh, c- kind of consumer concerns or um, productivity, productivity concerns, right? Yeah. We think about Monday is the start of the week. That yeah. means I got to go back to work. And it's really a, a furious, anxious dash from Monday to Friday yeah. where I collapse in exhaustion. And maybe if I have some piety, you know, throw a nod to God on Sunday morning and then, but really just try to do nothing for two straight days and refuse to be, you know, infringed upon because I know on Monday morning, I'm going to have to start the whole grind again. And really it's just kind of that way in, in the sort of endless cycle with kind of minor senses of progress in our careers maybe, but otherwise kind of a sense of futility to right. it. Right, and I think that it, it, there is that lack of markers, right? right? Even in, as you say, sort of the modern career life. Um, we've talked a little bit in the past uh, when Vastone was on about 
things about like the gig economy and yeah. about, you know, there are, there's sort of an, like, um, a dissolving of even the traditional sort of success markers right. of growth or of maturity or of, or of, uh, productivity even. And so that's made it even more sort of amorphous, right? right. I could <laughs> see someone clinging to it's January 1st, something, yeah. something, right? Like, because there is so little something to right. hold on to. What else are you going to do? To say that this was the next thing, right? <laughs> Um, and so, so that idea then of, of a order of time of a, a getting and spending way, lay, way, lay, way, start powers, right? Like this, the grind, as you say, of time being something that we're, we're running out of It's a scarcity, yeah. right? It's not a plenitude. It's a dash. It's a, it's a, a source of insecurity. Again, yeah. what have I not accomplished yet? Right. Um, in, in the Christian sense of these things, I mean, the Lord has, has taught us he says in the scripture to number our days like we are to take stock of our limits of time right um, of our limitations as as mortal beings yep. uh, for whom eternal life is a gift and not a right mm -hmm. um, so we are to be aware of the brevity of life the brevity of time the vaporousness right the grass that fades all of the the, uh, the imagery in scripture about those things. Um, how do we keep time better? We, we are called to be in the world, engaged in the work of the world. Um, but how do we kind of disentangle ourselves maybe from this consumptive way or right. this, um, how would you say it is, uh, is it just a way of marking identity and success? Like what are we disentangling from here if we're yeah. trying to have a Christian sense of time? I think a Christian sense of time begins with what you just outlined. It begins with allowing ourselves to get freaked out about the fact that our time is running out. Mm. You know, I, I've always recalled back to a powerful image from a very moody kind of emo song I was I was <laughs> I, 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 I had in uh, the early aughts. And it, they had this some lyric in it that said like uh, the like time is an hourglass glued to the table. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, that's yeah, that's a good, that's yeah. a good image, right? Yeah, because there, there's a, there, that is, I think, the reality of time. I think the fall marks our time um, in a way that it, it, it produces a condition of scarcity, a, a sense of futility, a sense of toil to our, to our life and time. The book of Ecclesiastes is really all about this, right? Like, there's a kind of sad irony about the fact that humanity is this grand thing created in God's image, and yet it's marked by this this sense of frailty and futility right. that, that brings it to the dust again. Right. Um, I think that get, allowing ourselves to get bothered by that first is, is a good thing. But I think where we go from that is what marks us as Christian or not, because I think outside of a Christian narrative, right now at this point in history, our, our inclination is to get consumeristic, right? So we experience the grind of work, and, um, and, we, and we experience the grind of, of, the, the, of, the, of the nine to five, and we can go in a direction, I think, where we, we try to substantiate what is, by definition, insubstantial and fleeting. Mm. And so how do we substantiate that? Two big ones I see out there are the, the consumer narrative, right? I acquire more things. And so the calendar is marked from like the Labor Day sale to the Memorial Day sale to the thanks to Black Friday, Black to Friday. the post-Christmas sale, to the, the American yeah, holiday. Yeah, exactly. So we have the American <laughs> calendar of consumer holidays, right? right? right. Um, the, the consumer feast days, right. right? And people's behavior is altered by those feast days, right? They line up outside of Target or right. they have Cyber Monday or, or, or you know, yeah. or, and all these sort of, um, these sort of events that govern their sense of time. That's a kind of consumer calendar, a kind of consumer holiday calendar, feast calendar. 
The other one I see a lot of is um, as sort of substantiating our time in terms of um, kind of false notions of maturity, um, which are like mm. uh, one popular one is like a romantic narrative, right? So what I, and I see this a lot with the, the folks, you know, kind of going, going through their, their 20s and 30s right now with, with, with whom I work in ministry is, um, okay, if I can just find the person to date, then I can find the person, then find a dateable person that can be, I can get engaged to, and then find the, then get it married, have the dream wedding that fulfills all my Pinterest boards. Right. And then, you know, and then have the right number of kids in the right amount of time. But then I start seeing as people get to the end of that narrative, they're like, okay, I have my children now and mm. we're all living in, we're, we're kind of settled. Now what? Now what? Now what? Now I'm back to that sense of, oh my gosh, my time is running out. And so... Christian time, I think, begins with allowing ourselves to sit in the in the kind of the, the sadness of fleeting time, and then um, and then look to Jesus and say, okay, how does Jesus, who fills all things according to the Scripture, how does He make substantial this thing that is by definition insubstantial? Right, and and it's such an interesting um, sort of parallel um, because this time of the pandemic mm-hmm. has has taken away the it hasn't fully taken away the consumer calendar but it's taken away a lot of the uh, rhythms of that grind right yeah. and or it's altered them or made people work from home or things like this right? right or taken jobs away and things like this and one of the hardest things it seems to me for people is what to do with themselves right. when they actually have time or when that time is now uh, involving them around family members, they haven't been around that <laughs> right. often, right? Yeah. Like the strain, I mean, all the, the, the kind of, it's been a little bit of research, it's a recent thing, but the strain on marriages and all these things that we're hearing about yeah. on people's lives being the result of being together for more time right. uh, and not having the work week or the uh, productive or consumptive calendar uh, really be able to distract you from right. all the things or at least motivate the major sort of uh, momentum of your day or your week at least right and that that is I mean we've we've you know this the mental health crisis this kind of the pressure narrative of people just sitting with themselves not knowing what to do right um, strikes me as maybe exactly because we have not first been willing to reckon with the grief of just being a person uh, in this mortal coil, yeah. that that you know maybe we can't accomplish that much. Maybe we can't, you know. I mean, like maybe maybe there are limitations that the busyness of life, mm-hmm. is, especially in its 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 former framework, um, didn't force us to deal with. Right, like right. It, it was a distraction calendar as well. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we we do a lot of things to medicate the anxiety of our sense of mortality, and this is not a new thing. This is something maybe as old as as humanity, um, and and it, you know it's for this reason that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, so, you know, talks about this anxiousness of life, this condition right. of anxiousness in life, and w- what to do with that. But I think I think you know before we even get to that question, we have to ask: Am I even getting to the place where I even kind of allowing that anxiousness to be there so that I might find a solution to it? Um, Or am I just, or am I just kind of creating a secondary anxious condition to avoid that primary anxious condition? I can't believe uh, the mall's not open, you know, like, like, that's probably not our problem. Probably not. Right. That's probably not the actual problem. So, so it's really vital that we are anxious or that we have the right problem. Yeah. That we start with the right problem. We have to let ourselves get to the right problem. Yeah. 
and yeah. and I think for some, maybe for many, uh, this last year with yeah. its incredible challenges has forced that. Yeah, has forced those conversations, yeah, for has us. forced those reflections for us. Yeah, has done that for us. That there might be a severe mercy in in yeah. some of that storm um, that the Lord has allowed. Um, so if we if we could get to the place where we have the right problem, yeah. um, and not think that it's because of a lack of uh, ability to shop or to travel, yeah. Um, if we start with the right problem, then what do we do from there? Acknowledging things that are outside of our control, outside of our yeah. uh, power, our ability, even our understanding. You know, what struck me so strangely about the lady's uh, post on social media was, uh, you know, was this thing about endless possibilities. It was like, it felt like yeah. maybe you could say that last year. <laughs> right. But it, it seemed like such a strange thing to say, um, clean slate, uh, new me, and, um, and, and a year of endless possibilities. Yeah. When, as you say, I'm thinking the ICUs are at capacity, like, yeah. like endless possibilities. Haven't we just uh, had to confront the fact that we don't have endless possibilities, that the, right. that the world impinges upon us, encumbers yeah. us with things beyond our control that we must nonetheless deal with? Yeah. Um, so like even that idea of possibilities being uh, beyond our control seems like something, one of those, the, the problems we have to actually start with and be able to say, yeah. man, we are, we are so weak and frail mm -hmm. when it comes to it, even if our ambitions or our hopes, our desires are so sort of um, gigantic. Yeah. Um, so if we, if, we can, if we can still ourselves long enough to reckon with the right problem to get which, bored, to get sad, to, to get, get <laughs> yeah, all those things. Yeah. All the things, you know, it's interesting. Both of you and I we have small, small children and all the things we know are good for our children. Yeah. That we know, you know, intuitively or from a parenting book or something. Um, I know my kids should get bored. Yeah. I know they should develop deeper resources of attention yep. than me just throwing new toys at them to distract them. Yep. Um, like, because even if I do that, I know that's a cheap way out. I know that's that's a, a band aid that's going to make it probably much right. worse down the road. So you you know, like we know that about them, right? <laughs> like I feel that so strongly yeah. about my kids. You know, being able to you know say just play in the yard. Well, you know, and and they're not old enough to even know the word bored yet. Right. They really don't understand that concept, which is, uh, which is probably instructive for me. Uh, <laughs> that there is an innocence about the way they experience time. That boredom is not a thought that they've quite had, or at least they certainly haven't articulated it to me. Um, so you know, knowing that that is good to, to have to deal with boredom, with reality, with slowness, with inabilities mm -hmm. um, or limitations, knowing that's good for them. Um, but having it be so difficult for adults, you know, um, as we gain more experience of life or more power in the world, or at least in our own understanding, yeah. more competencies, maybe, you know, like it can be really hard to allow that, mm -hmm. right? We, we, you and I, uh, living in the world we live in, we are so much more aware of, of almost a limitless a number of doorways to distract ourselves with, right? For sure. Like we know and have the resources to not be bored yep. in so many ways, right? So even just the discipline, is it, to allow ourselves mm -hmm. to sit in that kind of in that kind of stillness or that kind of non-doing or that kind of mm -hmm. not productive, not earning mode. Um, if we could get to that place, and I, I think that's been a challenge all year for so many of us because it's a hard place. Um, but maybe it's a hard place because we fear it 
um, and we don't know what will happen if we get there or right. if we let it unfold. Let's say we get to that place. Where do we go from there? Let's say, let's say we encourage someone to be able to sit with that thought, uh, be able to reckon with that a little bit, um, not to just experience dread, but then to move into this other sense of time or this yeah. other sense of, of how we kind of move through, through the world. Yeah. I think the you know, a moment that comes to mind from the Gospels that, that really calls us to mind is, is the calling of, of uh, Peter um, mm. out, of, out of the fishing boat uh, when Jesus, after a, a long night of labor, um, you know, he's cleaning his nets on the shore and they've kind of caught nothing. And he says, you know, Jesus says, push out again and then do it again, you know, get the nets dirty again, put them in back in the water. And he says, Master, we have toiled all the night and we've caught nothing, but at your word, I, I'll let down the nets. Um, I think that's the, the really the beginning point because it acknowledges that first condition, right? It acknowledges like, look, we've been working in darkness and, and really have nothing to show for it. I go, but I have reason to believe that if I listen to what you say, something's going to happen. And then he does. He acts in obedience to it um, without knowing precisely what will happen and without knowing why. Um, but that it really is the beginning of the discipline that leads us to a more substantial sense of time, I think. Um, you know, we, we see this in the, like the, the, in both the feast calendar of the, you know, of the Israelites and in the sort of feast calendar of the church, it, there's an acknowledgement that, you know, time is running out, you know, it, it takes, it takes to heart the, the warnings of Ecclesiastes that things are brief, things are fleeting, things are futile, right? And it, 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 it seeks to have us live in something that isn't running out. So for the Israelites, it was living in this sort of, um, in this enduring, um, this enduring identity, calling them into an enduring identity that could be um, multi-generational, that could be pre preserved through time, even though time destroys everything else. Um, the, the sort of identity of God's people under the covenant, which is marked by this sort of sense of time, marked by feast day and calendar, and then also by marked by the, the sort of the progress of the week of six days and then the Sabbath, the Sabbath rest. And what that does is it, it reorients time away from a sense of futility, um, and it reorients our sense of time to a, a, a sort of what God is doing, which is something that isn't touched by the futility of time, which isn't touched by the sort of the time the destroyer, as Eliot says. It's it's something, it, it, it leads us into um, life that is lived... Um, in kind of uh, in, in kind of a world that isn't marked by the fall, that isn't marked by death, um, but just like time in the world, you know that that is marked by death. There is there is a time in the world that is not marked by death. A time in the kingdom of God, and so for the Christian, what I think this means is it's it's a it, it leads us to a sense of discipline, really, of redisciplining and reorienting our sense of how we um, understand when we are. Um, you know, I, I, I've come to start thinking that, you know, there's a kind of reflexive relationship between the question of what I am and when I am. Hmm. Then these, th these two things sort of inform each other. So right now, when are we, right? Are we, you know, here in, in mid-morning on a Monday in early January? And what does that mean? You know, another way I could, we could answer that question, though, is that it's, mo it's morning time on the 10th day of Christmastide. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, that has a different answer to it, a different sense of meaning to it. And I think we have to live in both of those because we do live in both of those. That's factually true of us. 
But I think that which one we say is primary is going to lead the other one in its stead. So is it that, you know, it's Monday morning and I got to start thinking about the work week ahead. I got to go back to teaching on Thursday. And, you know, like, am I starting to gear up for that? And is my, is my sort of sense of union with God driven by my sense of like, okay, got to grind, let's go, let's get ready. You know, got, I got my calendar of events I got to do today and I'm going to start ticking off my to-do items. And if I find some time, I'm going to like, you know, try and, you know, be in union with God in prayer and, you know, find some right. time. Or am I going to try and drag God into my anxiousness there and say like, God, I got a lot of things to do today. I need you to help me get done all the things I need to do today. And that's kind of the limits of what I want you to do for me today. Mm. Um, so if you could just kind of stay in your lane, but also kind of throw some grace my way so that I don't get too stressed out trying to do this impossibly long to-do list today, that'd be great. Thanks. Mm. Um, or does it begin the opposite way where I say, Lord, we are, we are one full day past um, the last time I communed with you. And already I feel myself being dragged into the anxiety of life, mm. which I know is really just uh, my way of feeling like I can't substantiate my own life. Help me not to get too far from where I was yesterday on Sunday morning on the Lord's day. Mm. Help me to stay here and help whatever I need to do today. Um, help me to uh, walk with you into that thing um, and if there are things that I did not think in my sort of anxious scheduling that are better than what I had planned, um, please disrupt my time, disrupt my calendar, my schedule, and walk and help me to walk with you in the calendar that you have set forth this day. Mm. Boy, even just saying those yeah. two different things... <laughs> It just, it, it means the whole difference of how I am approaching this day, right? And and, it, and even just as you say that, which is just such a, it's such a perfect um, morning prayer. Um, but even as you say that, then the interruptions or the disruptions that produce stress, anxiety, uh, insecurity, um, whatever, uh, a, a sense of things running out and not being accomplished or whatever, um, not only would they maybe not strike us as so sort of devastating yeah. uh, in the interruption of that to-do list, um, they may be avenues and and moments in which we actually see the Lord. Right. Um, again, I just think of like with with our kids. It's like you know you can't plan your kids. No, nope. <laughs> you, you really can't. You can't. You can you can think all the great thoughts and think about how they should unfold and what the day, what a good day would look like, everything like that. Yeah. But, you know, you will, you will provoke your child to wrath if you, yep. if you try to fit them to that kind of living yeah. of a to-do list, of a sense of, even if it's for their good, right, in yeah. your mind, right? If it's for them, well, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and you're going to go here, and you're going to accomplish this, and you're going to learn these things, and you're going to make these friends, or whatever it is. Um, and and one, of the, one of the early realizations as a young parent um, or a parent of young kids, I guess I'm not that young, but um, is that those disruptions, uh, it's like, that's real. That's yeah. them. That's them discovering things, even if it's a tantrum. Like th th Those are the, the moments of them engaging emotions and things that are unbelievably value, valuable, were not a part of my schedule, and who cares about my schedule? Like, what am I, what am I talking about? <laughs> right. Like, I'm talking about them. This is a person. This is yeah. a, a life. And I, again, I just keep thinking of how I view them 
when I'm thinking about it with a clear mind, and yet I might not view myself that way right. as a child of God. I might not view, you know, my time is much more like decisive, right? My time is much more whatever. Um, but I just love that idea that in the morning we would pray for, I'm going to move into this day as best I can to do the things and to do them well that yeah. you've called me to do. Um, but where there are disruptions, or if you uh, please disrupt this day yeah. and this this to-do list right. in order to lead me in your ways. and Yeah, it's like it's, it's a way of saying, you know best what I need yeah. today, what I need to do today. And whether this day is going to be, um, you know, green pasture beside still water, or whether it's going to be a fight with the devil in the wilderness, um, like both of those things are for my good in their season, mm. right? And so that daily meditation, I think, gets amplified out to a kind of weekly narrative that we 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 can live into because I, it's not and it's not arbitrary. I don't want to give the sense here that it just it's the trading of one arbitrary narrative of time for another arbitrary narrative of time. The sort of the the, the Christian calendar really is a narrative of how what reality really is, and these other calendars we've constructed for ourselves really are um, contrived. There, you know, the work a week calendar is really arbitrary. That is a truly arbitrary thing. It has not always existed. It doesn't, strictly speaking, need to exist, and it might not always exist. It can it can come and go. However, time marked by the events of the life of Christ, for example, which is what the Christian calendar really is, that is given. That is the shape of reality. The fact of Jesus's birth, the fact of Jesus's circumcision, the fact of Jesus's naming of his, of his entry into Jerusalem, of his crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and these are, these are the contours of reality. These are the defining moments of reality. The thing that gives history and time its meaning has taken place, and is taking place, and will have taken place, and. If we and until we learn to live in that as the primary thing, all these other more sort of conditional and contingent notions of time are going to are going to lead us into a kind of personal hell of anxiety, right? So that morning prayer that we say, right, that that we just that we that we can we could say for ourselves in the morning, um, it, it's contingent upon the Lord's day, right? Which is this this kind of the ponderous mystery of Sunday, right? Christians know that Sunday is special, mm -hmm. right? The Bible is very clear that Sunday is special, right? It's the first day of the uh, of the of the new week, right? It's, it's not the, the last. It, it's day. not the last day, <laughs> right? And so this is really where an error I think I've seen kind of develop in Christian understanding is is Sunday is not just the Christian version of the Jewish Sabbath, right? Right. So we have the 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 the, the six seven day cycle of cre of creation that's mirrored in the in the Jewish notion of the seven days of the week. Um, that begins on Monday and ends, on, or it begins on Sunday and ends on Saturday, right? Saturday is the Sabbath. Um, and so you have the six days of labor, and then you have, you know, life kind of, we stop to um, to commemorate, to celebrate the thing of creation, to, um, to give thanks to God in um, sacrifice and thanksgiving. Um, and that's the, the kind of the Jewish sense of time, right? And then, so we have Jesus observe that in Holy Week, right? His his, his the, the, sort of his entry into Jerusalem on Sunday, um, and then on the and then for six days laboring in the city, right? Teaching, preaching, healing, confronting all these kinds of things, right? Purifying the temple, doing his work, which culminates in the work of Good Friday, right? Where he perfectly offers himself as the sacrifice for the sake of for the life of the world, right? And then he says on the cross, "It is finished," right? He asks, like, what is finished? 
But Jesus is declaring the Sabbath, he, like in the, in the way that Jews have been de declaring the Sabbath for centuries, right? He says, um, you know, tetelestai, right? Like it is, it is accomplished. The thing has been brought to its fulfillment, right? And then he enters into his Sabbath rest. He takes a Sabbath as Lord of the Sabbath in the rest of death. Mm -hmm. Rising again on the third day, right? The first day of the new week, the new work yeah. that he is doing, which is the new, the new work of the new covenant and the new sense of time, right? Which begins in the resurrection and then continues from there. And so you have a bringing to conclusion of that old sense of time and a beginning of the new sense of time. So for Christians to sort of say, life begins on Monday and it ends on my Sabbath on Sunday, that's kind of incorrect. It's mm -hmm. to say, no, life begins in the resurrection as a Christian. Our whole life in Christ, the whole grounding of our hope is founded upon the resurrection, the factual historical resurrection of Jesus that blows up all senses of time around it and says, this is the pivotal moment of all things. Here it is. And it, everything begins here. And so the one who brought to conclusion the old thing has brought to uh, initiation the new thing, inauguration the new thing, and now that's the thing we're living in. So as a Christian, really, the first moment of the first day of our week is really the moment we wake up on Sunday morning and what we do on Sunday morning shapes the entire contour of the week. Everything else in the week is downstream from our communion with God on Sunday morning. And on identity, the then identity um, cannot be grounded in what we do, right? right. In our work, because right. it's grounded in the rest of yeah. or the beginning of the gift resurrection of resurrection life. Yeah. yeah. And so then the the idea of the consumptive or the productive calendar, mm -hmm. the endless possibilities of, of what might happen to me or for me, right, um, has already been declared yeah. in in the the person and the work of Jesus Christ, right. and then needs to be entered into, right. right? Rather than I wonder what is around the corner, or I wonder right. what this you know new thing will be. Um, it really is more about, uh, I wonder if I can live into right. this thing that already is. Yeah, that not is already stray present. away from it right. in the week, right? Because it's so easy, right? So we go Sunday morning, right? I am communing with God in the community of, the, of believers, right? Offering myself, my soul and body in an act of worship to God, and then receiving from God his own life that fills me and makes and recreates me every Sunday, right? It's not an accident that Sunday became a day of recreation traditionally for mm. Christians, and that mm. word is really pivotal, right? Mm. Of being recreated again. Recreation really is a renewal. It's a recapitulation of who we really are, coming back to that again every single every single week. And then, you know, we hit Monday morning, and for you know, like for you and me as teachers, you know, it's like Boy, that's a that's a different kind of morning than the, than the kind of than, than Sunday morning, right? Yeah. I, I come into it and it's like, all right, you have fifty angry emails. You yeah. have like, you know, you have like you have you have a you have class plans that really need to get done today. Yeah, like, yeah. it's easy to get dragged out of the, the 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 time of the kingdom into the time of that of the grind again, of the time of toil, as mm -hmm. Peter said, right, to the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, it is, and it's easy to get dragged right back into that, which makes the weekly and the, really the daily practice of continual what's like a, a sort of recollection of kind of coming back to that thing uh, again so important because it's so easy to forget it's so easy to get drawn away into the anxiety of life and that's where really daily prayer takes on its meaning and doesn't just become a kind of rote behavior is if you look at it as there's this real thing that i have been given and all i have to do is stay near to it stay next to it and do everything near it mm. do everything in it right? 
don't and then just not get out of it right right to go to go chase things right, right? everything comes into this it doesn't go, we i don't go out into everything else right so if, if my daily prayer becomes not just like oh i got to say my prayers this morning or i got to say my prayers tonight uh, okay what do i do um it says like okay in this moment in time how have i been drawn away from that thing my prayer needs to be what will draw me back into that thing again mm needs to be what comes back, what brings me back. And acknowledging yeah. that in the prayer, like as you had said, right. it, you know, like there are things that are, that are dragging me or yeah. pulling me away from that presence, from exactly. that awareness. And I love that the prayer then becomes not a way to get through the week to collapse, as you say, on Sunday right. or even in the holiest way of collapse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but a way of maintaining Sunday, right. maintaining that resurrection life, that rest yeah. in the Lord, that renewal of all things maintaining what has already been given to you at the at the first day of the week. Right. So if Jesus as and you know as as John tells us in the revelation, right? Jesus says, you know, he says I am alpha and omega, I am the beginning and the end. I am the one who initiates and I'm the one who closes, right? Um he if we start even if like a good way to start this is just to say my week is Sunday to Sunday. My week is defined by beginning on Sunday and going into Sunday. I'm sent out from that hmm. in, on Sunday yeah. and I am sent into, and I go back into the into Sunday again. And if I start living my life on uh, out of, in two questions saying, how is this moment in time I'm in right now um, coming out from Sunday and going back into Sunday? I'm coming out from this renewal and recreation by the Lord on Sunday in communion with him in worship. And I'm going back into that again. I'm going to meet the Lord again. I'm going to stand before the Lord again. Mm -hmm. If I interpret everything else as saying, how is this making good on what the Lord has given me? And how is this um, preparing me to meet him again? I think that would, that would radically reorient everything that we do in the interim, right? Yeah. Every moment of time, every when yeah. in the meantime is, I have come out from, I am, I've been sent forth by the Lord and I am being called back to meet him again. Mm. And even like, you know, this, what happens on Sunday in the worship of, of the community of faith, it, it's, you know, the giving of the word, the proclamation of the gospel, the Evangelion, then becomes um, that word, right. right? How am I living out that word right. during this week? And then how am I entering back into sort of show and stand before the Lord, the, the life that I found in his word right. that, that was given to me on that day, right? That right. we weren't just given vague reminders, but we were giving the clear teaching and the word of scripture, right? Yeah. The, the actual gospel declaration of who we are in Christ and who he's called us to be. Yeah. And that there is a, you know, in, in my tradition, you know, the focus on, on the word is, is sort of, you know, the major focus. Yeah. And so, you know, when we meet as like men's and women's studies, like during the week, we talk about the word that was given on Sunday and try right. to understand it and think exactly. it through. How does it apply to my life? What is it? What do I do with this? How do I work this through? Right. Because the task of the week, more importantly than just the tasks of the week, right. but the task of the week is how to live under that word, how to right. live, as you say, sort of in and, and out of and out from that word that was given to us as a gift Right, the gift of That's opening right. the scripture and having it be declared, especially, you know, for for the layperson who's just receiving, right? right? Like you and I might have work to do on some sense yeah. of ministers, but it's so that the, the 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 average person and the vast majority of people in the church um, it is a day of simply receiving, receiving, receiving that yeah. word, receiving that, that communion, receiving yeah. those elements, receiving, receiving, right. sitting right? on the plane and being fed. Yeah. You know, 
And and so thinking about because I, I'm you know I'm so I'm drawn to the the Christian calendar. I'm drawn to you. You come from um, uh, Anglo Catholic High mm-hmm. Church tradition, in which the Christian calendar is so featured. Yes. Um, that for me, it's like it's exotic. It's enticing. <laughs> you know, like I yeah. I'm aware of certain things of it, but uh, you know, there's so much I, I don't actually participate in when it comes to the details of of some yeah. of the uh, the feast days and the different saints' days and things like that. Um, but I'm drawn to that increasingly just as a way of, of reminding myself, as you said, sort of the true story of time yeah. rather than these arbitrary stories we've been telling ourselves. Um, but what I love in what you're saying is even if your tradition does not uh, feature those um, yeah. uh, up front, the rhythm of worship that all Christians participate in on the Lord's Day yeah is what does that and that the rhythm of prayer which all christians are called to participate in throughout the week right. is what maintains that and that that's accessible for absolutely anyone of any confessional background whatever tradition they're coming from yeah. that we are all called as brothers and sisters of the community of saints to participate in the time of the kingdom in right. that way and exactly. that's what sunday is for it's what it does it's what it offers it's what it gives and as you said you know we just need to sort of be I guess, vigilant yep. about what is maybe pulling us away from that recognition. That's right. Um, how do you encourage your people? Maybe we could just close with some of those practical things. Yeah. I mean, we've been saying practical things about prayer and about those things, no. but sometimes people will hear the, the big picture stuff and the mm-hmm. theological stuff yep. and, and will think, okay, that's beautiful. Yep. Um, but it's really hard um, when everything around you, including things that have demands on you, Mm -hmm. responsibilities in this world um, to, to work and to appear at certain places at certain times really does have an incredibly dramatic shaping of every single, you know, sort of hour of your life during the week in particular. And we can't, we can't remove ourselves from all of those demands. Um, So how do you encourage your people to sort of, maintain that awareness of the Lord's presence of the, of the Lord's day and the word and, and prayer throughout the week. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's a, it, I think it, I, the way I usually describe it is it's making an offering of time. Hmm. Um, you know, we talk about making offerings of our finances with tithing, which is, you know, a, a, a an essential Christian practice to keep us from loving money too much. Um, the same thing goes with our time and the anxiousness of our time. If we don't make a, a sort of uh, a, an offering of our time, a tithe of our time, we will have an anxious, graspy kind of relationship to time. Mm. So the way I practically um, counsel it is through what, I, what we call fixed times of prayer. Um, so I'd say 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening, um, and as best one can make them fixed times. Um, make the rest of the day conform to that. Oh, I like that, yeah. And, you know... Um, and and don't let the day pass without those things happening. Now, depending on what condition of life you're in, whether you're in a young family life like the two of us are, <laughs> yeah. or whether you're not, um, yeah. that that can that can change shape. And there are, there's a lot of variation of this, but essentially, it's saying I'm going to give this time. And so, what what does what does that time look like? I would say for someone just starting out, um, say the Lord's Prayer to start, and then say, and then talk to God conversationally about what's going on at that moment in time um, from the heart, as though you were talking to a friend. And then whatever, and then after those words run out, sit quietly 
and still without any distractions as best you can for the next whatever many however much time there is there um, and try to make it no less than about five minutes of that if you do that so you have like the lord's prayer which takes about a minute or if that then you converse with god for maybe nine more minutes and then sit for five and and just and just sit and and and, and sit there with god god with you in that silence um, and you do that morning and evening every day. Um, and in that time, ask God, you know, like what we've been talking about today, you know, um, where am I, how is when I am right now coming forth from where I was on Sunday and how's it leading me to Sunday again? How does this, um, participate in you sending me out into the world and then calling me back to yourself? Um, and if you were to spend 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening, maybe try to make it the first thing you do in the morning. And then do it before you kind of enter into the kind of the, the ending activities of the evening. Don't do it in bed because we all fall asleep. Everyone falls asleep mm-hmm. in bed. But do it before you get too tired. And make it that offering, that objective offering of time each day. Um, yeah, I think it will radically reshape the life. That's a very practical thing to do. 15 minutes and 15 minutes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The, big, the big problem, of course, is like we always say, like, I don't have time. I don't have yeah. time to pray, right? <laughs> I don't. I don't have time to give that give that time. And the the answer is, and the answer is just like with tithing, right? Yeah. It's like no, we don't have time for something else, right? And we're not gonna. And like Peter in the boat, right? We're not gonna. Wa- <laughs> we're not gonna know really what's gonna happen if we go back out in the boat again and throw down our freshly cleaned nets again. Um, I've never known anyone who did this that regretted it. Yeah, that's worth saying, and that's that's worth. That's worth saying uh, and thinking about because, again, when I think of when I think of what I want for whether it's uh, my people at the church or for my children, yeah, those are the kinds of things I would think and say and pray. Which is, this will only be good, right? Yep. This is good no matter what. Yep. You know, do the things. I don't know what this year will hold. I don't think yeah. there are endless possibilities. I think no. it has been circumscribed, and I think it has been decided in many ways by the Lord, and yeah. I think that we are going to enter into that, participate uh, more or less in what yeah. the Lord is doing. Um, but to just remember that the things he's called us to are good no matter what. Right. They're good no matter what day it happens to be. They're good no to be in that place with the Lord to, as you said, make an offering of time um, I just, cause even as you said, you know, like nine minutes talking to the Lord, I could feel people being like nine minutes, Yeah, you know, I could just feel that. Um, I remember just observing, you know, a minute of silence, uh, as I would walk up, um, from being, uh, sort of the last closing of the worship song before I would begin to speak and to, to preach or to open in the prayer. And, uh, and I could just feel the yeah. room's anxiety, you know, like there would just be moments where I knew I was taking a little too long. I knew people probably opening their eyes, like, like what's going on, right. right? Like just our, our, we have been so sort of oriented and designed according to this relentless kind of push yeah. and calendar. Um, so I love that anybody could do that. And I love how you said, we don't have time for anything else, Yeah. right? This is the one thing we do have time for. Right. Um, and to make it that kind of sacrificial offering. You know, this uh, Bastion had mentioned over the break, um, she was like, oh, there's a poster sale at Circe, and I had, like, clicked on a couple of things, and I, <laughs> and, I, and I got this poster, I, which was, a, it was some lines from a Wendell Berry poem. And 
and I kind of looked at it hastily. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that poem. Like that, those are those are nice. I didn't really think a lot about like the lines or whatever. Yeah. Um, he's so it's from it's from uh, the the piece of wild things is the name of the poem. Uh, I want to read this poem. He says, when despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. This idea that there is a way of living, even if it's for 15 minutes, where you are not taxing yourself with fear, anxiety, or forethought of grief, to just be in the presence of reality, the grace of the world, and to be free. If that's not an invitation to prayer, I don't know what is. And our hope, I think, is that this new year, there would be a different rhythm, however small, to our offering of time. A different way of thinking, a different way of approaching, a different way of maybe holding ourselves and one another accountable to live in what is true about the world. It is the world that has been saved by Jesus. It is the world that is being renewed. It is the world and the world to come. And we do live in that place, even as we go out into our days and we work hard and we do our best and we deal with the challenges of life, the challenges of this new year. And our prayer is certainly that we would all be able to rest in the peace of the one who has brought the life of the new world into this world now. Hayden, thank you so much for encouraging us, for teaching us, for giving us ways of moving forward into this new year with something good that will be good no matter what. Thank you. It's a privilege. That's our time, my friends. If you would like to support the podcast, please do subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And if you would like even more content and to become a patron of the podcast, head on over to FromBabylonWithLove.com, click on Newsletter, and sign up there. Until then, many thanks to producer Zach Leach for all the twists and turns and to Lonesome and Muddy, the only house band that'll survive the apocalypse. This has been From Babylon 